Welcome along to episode 11 of Gamers Uncensored, the New Zealand election special. Today we're, we're not actually going to be talking about anything related to the election, it's just the voting day that we're on. So it's our election special pretty much. Um, you see, you went out and voted hey, today, didn't you? I hey, did. We, we You've got to make voter. sure you vote. You like, you yes. got to get your, like, if you want a voice, you got to vote. There you go, guys. You heard it from UC himself. Uh, if you're listening to this right now, it's probably Thursday, so you're too late. But vote in the next three years to make sure your voice is heard. Anyway, today we are blessed by Divian from 343 Industries. He is a Halo esports producer over there in America, and he's joining us today. Welcome along, Divi. Hey, hey, thanks, guys. Thank you uh, for having me on the show. Welcome, welcome. No, it's our pleasure. It's our absolute pleasure. It's really great to be able to have someone from the the esports side of gaming finally on the podcast because uc is a he's a massive esports player he's pretty much the best esports player in new zealand oh you you give me way too much credit there but i'm gonna take it yes i am um (laughs) (laughs) i love uh, esports i'm trying to get into it myself and it's it's awesome to see it growing and it's awesome to have someone out of esports uh, onto today so i'm excited to learn yeah no likewise it's uh, it's great to be involved in community efforts like this and try to bring more awareness to what we're trying to do here at uh, 343 and and what we're trying to do for the halo community overall and uh, yeah i'm excited to be a part of this show and hopefully i can answer some questions and have some fun hey so um you're over in America uh, yes. with 343. How has the tr- uh, transition to working from home been for you? Oh, yeah. Um, it's actually been quite interesting. I uh, I actually started the job about a week and a half before the lockdown happened. And so I was in the studio for about three days before they said, you know what, you got to work from home. And I was just like, oh, God, <laughs> this is going to be the last time I see folks from uh, my team for a little bit. And uh yeah, honestly, it's been quite a struggle trying to learn um, the job itself and then trying to build connections and build relationships internally from home. Um, you don't get the same opportunities to kind of connect with external teams that you would inside a studio environment or an office environment, but you know, you, you do your best. Um, I've been blessed with an amazing team uh, and leader and leaders that uh, have allowed me to kind of uh, work under their wing and kind of get to know people as best that I can. And um, slowly but surely, it's it's uh, you know I'm trying to get in the handle of it. It's uh, it's been a wild ride, a lot of ups and downs, but I can say uh, confidently that I'm on the upswing right now. Oh, that's fantastic! Really good to hear. I think I was actually in the same situation as you, uh, Divi, mm-hmm. because I started my day job a week before our lockdown back in March. And right. then I we had like, and this is weird because we had like three morning teas during that one week. So it was great. I put on a, a huge amount of weight at that time. You're but, looking slim, buddy. Hey, thank you. Someone appreciates me. <laughs> and then as soon as I got like to the next week, they were like, yeah, work from home. I was like, oh, okay. How do I make friends? <laughs> right. That's exactly it. I was like, oh, jeez. Malone. And you're right. It's so hard to be able to make those personal connections with people when you mm-hmm. can't see them. And you don't have that excuse, like, if you run into someone at the water cooler or in the kitchen, you've got that right. excuse to sort of talk to people and meet new faces and, and whatnot. But at home, you can't just sort of call someone because they'll be like, oh, why are you calling me? <laughs> yeah. It's, just uh, wanna, there's a lot of awkward moments. <laughs> just want to have a chat. 
Let's have a like discussion. With, uh, what did you have for lunch? Like, you gotta <laughs> get creative, guys. Just set everyone yeah. up. Do like a voice call, <laughs> call everyone in the office at once. Was it the Zoom calls? I don't know if they would appreciate that. They'd be like, who's this new guy? And <laughs> just calling the entire studio. Icebreakers. What do you have for lunch? <laughs> Get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leave me alone. So um, I wanted to start with a little bit on your past, Arthur. Sure. Really. Um, you've worked at Microsoft for the past uh, almost six, five, six years. Yeah, yeah. I started with Microsoft in um, fall of 2012. Yeah, it's been eight years now. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, but the majority of my time I was spent working in a Microsoft store, in Microsoft stores in Canada. So it's it's been quite a journey from moving from there to here. But yeah, it's it's been eight years uh, in different parts of the, the company. So did you move around at, at like retail stores and then sort of get into the gaming side of things? Yeah, yeah. It's um, I know there's not many Microsoft stores, and unfortunately they've closed down recently. But when we did have it open, like these stores were just a, a pillar in the community for all things. Like whether you're in small business or education or gaming, it can be whatever you want it to be. And so we were when we're working in our stores, we were really empowered to to do what we think is best to allow for the greatest amount of engagement with whatever community group that we're working with. And so when I was with the stores, I uh, was able to kind of host these community events for, for gaming, for Xbox and whatnot, using the stores resources to host these tournaments and stuff. And that was kind of my start. And uh, I was able to work in uh, Toronto, another location in Edmonton, which is so far up north that the sun sets at midnight and I moved back to Toronto. And then uh, uh, <laughs> a year or so later, I was, I was asked to come to the Seattle to work here. Whoa, so, sorry, I just want to, nail down yeah. that sun thing i was just so gonna ask the same like... question <laughs> <laughs> yeah how did, you, um, how, did, how did you sleep it like... was weird it was weird i don't know if you if you ever had the sunset so late but uh if you ever do get a chance to look at a globe or a map look where edmonton alberta is in canada and it is so far up north that yes in the summer the sun sets at like 11 30 11 50 at night and during the winter time, the sun would set at like two in the afternoon, and you're in darkness for most of the day. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was just a wild experience, just to be honest. I'm bewildered right now. I'm. This is new. I'll, I actually really want to look this up later on. Yeah, yeah. There's like I think there's parts of Russia and Canada, and I think even like Sweden and areas where like you don't get any light for for like days on end, or you. You have summer for so long, like it's just constant amount of sun. But uh, but yeah, it's 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 wild to experience if you ever do get a chance to be in that environment. So I'm just having a look at a map of it now, and it's <laughs> actually course. planned out really nicely. Like it's actually proper squares and stuff. And and New Zealand, most of our cities are very poorly planned. Like if you ever come to <laughs> Wellington, um, the one-way system will kill you, right? Um, oh jeez. Yeah, <laughs> but this is like it's nicely laid out. It's proper squares and everything. But did the stores stay open mm -hmm. until like eleven o'clock, or did they close yeah. at normal sort of like retail times? Yeah, normal retail times. Everything closes at nine o'clock for the most part. Oh, that's uh, so good because then you got heaps of time to do stuff after work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I was like really noticed too because it's like it's like ten o'clock at night and you're like I can still do stuff and you don't feel <laughs> tired because the sun hasn't set yet and like you can just cram more in. That's the rest. <laughs> it's a couple of days. Like, yeah. 
definitely invincible. And that's what um, I find really hard with winter is the sun setting earlier and you mm-hmm. just go home and you just don't want to do anything. So that's, yeah. I've got to move yeah. to Canada. <laughs> it's a great place, a lot of space. So, <laughs> so after fly. doing some of those roles, that role there, yeah. uh, you became a community development specialist. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I skipped over this a little bit, but um, how I got started at the stores is kind of interesting because uh, um, I had, prior to the stores, I was working at Starbucks, actually. I owned a couple of, well, I didn't own, but I was a store manager for a couple of locations. And while I was doing that, I decided, hey, I want to finish my education. So I decided to take full-time school while I uh, while I figured things out because I felt for, like many people, like directionless at times. And so uh, while I was doing my courses in in my marketing management degree uh, program, I saw that the Microsoft stores were opening, so I decided to apply. And I applied at the most junior part-time level possible. I gave up everything to, <laughs> for this role. So I ended up being an inventory control specialist, which is basically the guy in the back doing stockroom. I did that for three years, part-time, wow. while I was finishing school, just so I can just be a part of Microsoft and just be a part of, okay. part of the company. Yeah, and I really, I really, you know, I learned a lot, and uh, it was a very humbling experience, especially because like I had a little bit of a little bit more responsibility in my previous roles. But you know, taking that down a notch and just learning and just being uh, open to new experiences kind of uh, humbled me in a sense and kind of solidified what I really wanted to do. And uh, I noticed that the other community development specialist that was in role, like kind of doing their own thing, and um, she was quite fantastic, and she she did a lot. But I felt like you know if you put a little bit more focus into maybe gaming, then they can really make an impact and really touch the lives of so many different types of people. So I applied after my three years, I applied because the role opened up and I got rejected and I got rejected for two more times. That's outside of that location. And that was, that was really depressing. But then <laughs> and there was a position in Edmonton opened up and I was like, okay, let's do this. So, you know, if you have me, I'll come. And I went and I gave everything up again. I gave up my family and my friends and it's a 38 hour drive to there. Um, it took me three days in my car and I filled everything up with what I got <laughs> and made that trek across to the most Northern part that I've ever seen on the map in Canada. And um, yeah, just kind of started over and uh, learned the role, made some great connections. And I was so fortunate enough to be a part of the Halo 5 launch at that time. We had, that was my first real experience working with the Halo community. And uh, maybe I can touch on this later, but the, some of the folks that I met online were actually at that event, that grand opening event. And uh, um, that kind of reinforced with my competitive advantage and with my, what I thought I could bring to Microsoft as a whole and just be like a great community ambassador for, for Halo on, on, on that side of things. Yeah, and that's kind of what things were leading towards yeah. within the esports scene, right? It was moving towards having people be able to manage that side of the community so you set yourself up uh, in advance for that that's right yeah yeah that's exactly it it's uh i think a lot of tournament organizers kind of feel the same way it's like they don't have a place to play they don't have these xboxes they don't have an infrastructure to kind of build a sustainable model for for success when it comes to hosting these types of tournaments on a regular cadence i had all those things microsoft gave me everything that i possibly could imagine like all the games, all the Xboxes, the TVs, the monitors, the, the bandwidth, the internet. Like, I just <laughs> needed people to play. So it's just uh, doing the best with, that I could with what I had, finding connections online, much like anybody else would, creating Facebook groups, um, going to events and meeting people at like, you know, our equivalent of a Comic-Con and, 
and then growing that way. And um, yeah, a lot of people noticed. Uh, Xbox Canada noticed. Uh, a few folks across the country wanted to learn what I could do. Um, and that was also my one of the first times where I was able to connect with my current boss, Tashi. And, uh, and I reached out for him for support as well. Hey, Tashi. That's a name that uh, Halo fans of the podcast will recognize if you don't go look him up he's uh he's fantastic lead producer for halo esports he's the man behind it all um and he's an incredible role model and if anybody's lucky enough to have like a five minute chat with them like you'll learn so much about what hard work dedication and just relentless pursuit of what perfection is and just an ever-evolving world that we're living in of gaming and esports like he is a man with a vision and um i'm really excited to for him to kind of show Halo fans around the world, what uh, what Halo esports can become once the game releases. Yeah, I, I mean, sort of touching that on really quickly, and I know we're not going to talk about this too much, but I think the potential for Halo going forward in esports is massive, because a huge amount of current streamers actually started out there, and yeah. they've actually built their careers on Halo, and then they've moved into other things. And there is just so much more potential to be had in that space as one of the leading sort of first-person shooting uh, esports. Yeah, I, I completely agree. The franchise has been around for close to 20 years, and it's one of the first opportunities where we saw content creators come into their own using whatever archaic tools that we you know, look back and say, wow, I can't believe they made anything out of it. And it was, it was the start of what we see now with so many prominent content creators and different types of games succeeding and uh, yeah it, if you put the pieces together and kind of track it back we'll find a lot of their stories start with halo so what's your favorite part about working with the community yeah um there's so many while i was working with the store teams um and when i was able to pr get promoted from the store level to the corporate level like what i really enjoyed was just seeing the stories seeing the people comment and and give praise to to you know these tournament organizers or gaming experts who were running them at the time saying like hey like thank you so much for hosting this is this is my first opportunity to compete i can't go to these massive events and to hear that they were able to kind of get connected and engage with like-minded fans in an environment that they feel safe and comfortable with like is awesome it's an awesome feeling like just giving them a chance to compete is just such a rewarding feeling knowing that um you know they, they were looking for something like this and we were able to kind of deliver on that yeah and i think that's a sentiment that is actually reflected across quite a few uh gaming and esports communities is that people do it for the love of it not for the yeah. money or mm -hmm. the, sometimes it's it can be the fame but a lot of the time it's not it's for the community and yeah. i know you see that was one thing that got you into into gaming and streaming and for myself this was also something that brought me into it is to have that sense of community but having the community behind you is so good it's like um for me like growing up gaming and all that i like to show off to like my mates like look at this look at this and yeah. to be able to like showcase that to many people at one time it's a great feeling and just the whole building side of it and learning more about the other communities especially different communities coming from i used to play halo myself back when i was younger uh, but moved mm -hmm. into a different FPS game. And so still hearing about other communities still growing strong is quite nice to hear. That other yeah. FPS game that we're not allowed to discuss. I'm joking. What is it? <laughs> I got banned. Siege. 
stage. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's uh, community is a great part of what gaming is now, and it's it's so awesome to see them see it grow in their own ways, regardless if it's Halo or anything else. So was that part of your role that is still doing that as the community program manager, uh, the gaming and esports community program manager at Microsoft? Yeah, yeah. So uh, from the store level, I was uh, a role opened up at the corporate team to kind of lead lead the gaming programming all up for Microsoft stores, and um, I threw my name in the hat, and sure enough, I got selected, and um, so that was that was awesome. So as a gaming uh, an esports community program manager. I was in charge of kind of developing the framework that the gaming experts, so one in each of the Microsoft stores, would use to kind of build out their own community events for their for their players and their fan base. And so um, I was at the corporate level behind the scenes. I would work with marketing and our partners and sponsors and other IPs to kind of figure out what pricing could look like and when we should announce and what makes the program special, and then put that all together in documents and calls and whatnot and kind of filter that out to the teams to kind of allow them to execute on their own. So I did that for two years. Oh, wow. That's must have been quite amazing being able to actually drive the direction of what was going to happen in those stores. Oh, yeah. It was it was amazing. And, it's, and it wasn't just Halo, right? Like it was Gears of War. It was Overwatch. It was Fortnite. It was all these different things. And working with different teams to build out something unique for everything was great. For, for Gears of War, we, we sent people to E-League and different events to, to compete in. We, uh, for Fortnite, we, we, had, we were the first third-party partner to use spectator mode to, for our finals events that we held over an eight-week period. For League of Legends, we got, uh, we got Cloud9 to sign the winning team for our four-week tournament as, uh, as one-day members of Cloud9. Like, it was... Was amazing and and for halo we were we were able to have the ffa champion from our stores get directly invited into the ffa in 2018 um the the event there in seattle and that person actually won the entire tournament so it's like a winner from a microsoft store tournament was uh crowned the global champion that's just awesome that's like literally what i oh man <laughs> so after being uh, gaming and esports community program manager at Microsoft. Yeah, you moved over to three four three Industries as an esports producer. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so uh, yeah, a role opened up. I applied, <laughs> and uh, it, you know, I looked at the job description and looked at who I'd be working with, and I'm like, hell yeah, let's do this. So, uh, <laughs> threw my ring in the hat, and uh, through a series of very long interviews. Um, you know, I came away with the, with the role, and I started this past year in, in February. Wow! Uh, so quite recently. Very recent, yeah. I guess so. It feels like yesterday, but looking at my calendar here, it was eight months ago or something. Yeah, time <laughs> time's ticking on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is this year? <laughs> no, I think that is actually something like that is happening this year. As time is moving so much more quickly because of uh, the global situation. But right. it's got a lot of opportunities as well. So with esports, it's just an amazing opportunity for people to be able to be exposed to this more serious side of what a lot of people don't yeah. take too seriously around gaming and that. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, uh, over in New Zealand, I've had quite a few sort of people talking about this, especially at the, the school level. So schools 
don't think gaming is a serious thing still. And luckily we were able to prove um, them wrong in the Wellington region, but mm. um, it's still quite a big thing that's happening. I mean, have you been able, have you seen any change in terms of like the Halo sort of esports scene over the lockdown or the um, the COVID situation? Has it changed much? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's changing in interesting ways. A lot of tournament organizers that would normally host their events um, offline or in real life, like they were, they're now they're switching to an online model. And I think that allows for more participants across the globe to, to, you know, to register for and makes it a lot more accessible. So that's, that's interesting. And, um, and so like we have, for example, Greater Toronto Halo, like they're having um, players from Latin America, Colombia, and, um, you know, across the pond in Europe and France and England, they're participating in events that they normally wouldn't have a chance to. So yeah, to sum it all up, it's just, I think it's breaking down more barriers by moving to an online tournament model. A lot of people taking advantage of this lockdown to kind of continue to do what they love, but maybe in a slightly different way than they expected to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting that you raise kind of South America because they've had a huge increase in the amount of players coming from those regions. I know in League of Legends, Mm -hmm. their pro, sort of pro, semi-pro leagues are starting to get a lot of interest. And I think you see, I don't know if you've been watching the Brazilian kind of siege scene, but that's also coming up quite quickly as well, is my understanding. I've been watching a little bit of here and there from all the regions. Brazil has been making a bit more vocal output. So they're trying to make themselves heard a bit more as well. So it's uh, good to see. Because they have a lot of, they don't have many servers. So that's what like one thing that they're trying to push for as well to try and like get more people on board because they're jumping onto I think some of the American servers to play the game so they're mm. experiencing high ping. Yeah, and this is a similar problem in New Zealand and Australia, right? Sometimes we don't have data centers here, so it does make things a little bit difficult. But I mean, you know, we struggle with our three hundred ping. It's fine. <laughs> God, <laughs> can you? Am I, am I delayed right now? <laughs> no, no, you're not delayed. That's okay. <laughs> Actually, you I... tell me, did you guys get the, that, that uh, what's it called, Starlink, Elon Musk's little ser- uh, service? You guys should oh. like, apply for that. Divi, <laughs> if you're offering to like put me in contact with old Elon, like I would happily take it and trial it over here for him. Oh, you, you have a personal meeting with Elon uh, there, Ranga, in hey, the office. I know people sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I wish. I, I do cool. wish. Um, and it's actually true. Like our ping is quite bad, and it doesn't make it very easy to be able to play oh. against. I think is it West Coast players? Yeah, yeah. West, no, uh, yeah, West Coast is the worst yeah. for us. If we get a data center in the West Coast, it's this game over. Usually, I'll just leave the game <laughs> because I can't play. Oh man, I, I can't what, imagine. Like, just... One of my main reasons for wanting to go to America is actually to. Um, play siege just just in their normal in the normal game not competitively just to play in their rank the sheer amount of people in america compared to new zealand servers is so much like uh once it hits about six in the morning here uh you're looking at 20 plus minutes waiting time just in casual and and when you do it's the same people over and over they're all trying to find the same game highly jealous of america (laughs) even for league of legends which is pretty much the most popular one of the most popular games on the planet right we still have a wait time 
like and it depends depends on the time uh, time of day what day it is and like how many people are playing but normally there's like a wait time of like three minutes or something yeah yeah. Oh my god, you're making me so sad. I didn't expect to cry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Make so, sure you guys vote. Vote for the internet. Vote, vote for the I, I actually, I, there was the first thing I acted at the start of the selection. Who has, like, is there still the internet party that was trying oh. to, uh, but they, they're, they're, they're no longer. Party. <laughs> um, internet party? That's amazing. Um, yeah, I was we like, actually had one of those. It was so weird. That was a weird time, right? They they would have had my vote. Like honestly, that was the first thing I asked. Who's got the policy of the best internet? Sadly, no yeah. one. <laughs> I don't think uh, I'm pretty sure it was the Greens have like a really good internet policy. Not saying that I voted for the Greens, but they they have a very good internet policy. Charm, yeah, I did. <laughs> At least I'm not going to get my vote if they stuck around. But anyway, so. Uh, what do you do as an esports producer? Yeah, I can uh, break it down into uh, two different two different viewpoints. I guess there's a macro level and then a micro. So on the macro level, like uh, you know, I work side my small but talented team to kind of help build and develop and grow the competitive Halo scene across the globe. Um, so behind the scenes, I'm working with partners to bring exciting events and other opportunities for fans to compete and you know achieve their own personal success. But on the micro level, um, I am the glue that kind of keeps us together and so i coordinate with teams internally to kind of make sure that what we're projects that we're um kind of working on have all the deliverables kind of keeping uh, everything on track yeah yeah keep everything on track uh, making sure that whatever we need is being uh, you know actioned out just making sure that the, the the big machine keeps moving in the direction we need it to go and so um, obviously, I have my own personal projects too that I work on, but largely I'm making sure that everyone else can can achieve their own personal success and tracking things down for them. Does it get overwhelming the amount of stuff that's happening? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> From special projects, tournaments, grassroots stuff, announcements, vlogs, like everything that we're working on, it's 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 quite a bit, and it's. And it would be a lot more overwhelming if I didn't have such an amazing team to kind of guide me through it. I wish I was in the same studio as them to kind of bug them like in person versus online or whatever on Teams. But uh, yeah, icebreakers. It's, it's a lot. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Call everybody. Hello, <laughs> studio. I have this question. But uh, but yeah, no, it's it's great. And um, you know, obviously, I'm learning my role at the same time, which is fantastic. But uh, it's it's quite an experience too. Um, this is my first time working for a AAA studio on a AAA game, and uh, you know we did experience our first game delay and making that public, so that's kind of affecting things as well. And so I'm just kind of learning the ropes and kind of understanding of what uh, what it takes to build a, a you know fantastic esports program for a community. What's your favorite part of the role? It's kind of the same thing. Like when uh, we announced like the MCC Pro Series back in the spring, or even the Halo Five Pro Series, just like the instant instant response or the positive response that we received was just phenomenal. It's just like, oh, I can't wait to play. Like, who's my plus one? Like, I'm looking for a team. Like, I love seeing those messages on my timeline because it just shows that, you know, there's, there's people itching for it. And then seeing, like, you know, the first MCC Pro Series, we had a cap of 64 teams. And then, like, an hour before the tournament, 117 teams participated, like, played in that first tournament. So it was just... You know, it's there. There's it just shows that there's a, a hunger for competition, and uh, they're just looking for an opportunity to kind of 
have that release. And it's, it's great to be in a position to kind of offer that and uh, breaking down the Halo 5 Pro Series across the world and seeing players in Latin America achieve success, in Europe achieve success, and like ANC, it's just, it's phenomenal. It's, it's exciting because knowing that some of these players might be on the big stage when, when everything shows up, it's, uh, it's exciting to think about. Oh, that's awesome. Nah, I'm, again, that's like what all other tournament organizers, they just love to see that stuff, eh? As people getting that, po- giving that positive feedback and enjoying what they're putting on. So that's yeah. awesome. And like, I'm not surprised it's coming from the Halo community as well, because generally it, it is a really positive place. And yeah. I mean, every, every community has um, ups and downs occasionally, but the vast majority of the time, uh, what I've been seeing and what I've seen over the, like, the last 10 years of myself being involved in Halo is just that awesome response. Everyone is just, is really positive about the, especially the esports side of things, the more competitive right. side. And man, do people go competitive with Halo? Oh yeah, totally. I, I love it. I love it. There's a. I hope there's a day where, you know, I can wake up any day during the week and there's a tournament happening. Because that would be a dream. That would be amazing. <laughs> Imagine how busy you would be. I. I it's exciting. <laughs> That's an exciting kind of busy. That's a fun one. It's but, good. It's uh, good busy. Yeah. Yeah, it's good busy. So, have you actually competed yourself? In any Halo tournament? Uh, not at any high level. Like I can't say I'm one of the better Halo players. Like I'm sorry if anybody expecting sort of insight because I cannot offer you any. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I did play in a few like uh, like online tournaments for Greater Toronto Halo and SWAT Nation, and just uh, recently we had like an, an ACS Grassroots Cup where the yeah. grassroots tournament organizers kind of came together to kind of post something, an invitational. So I did compete in that and we got to the semis before getting knocked out. But uh, yeah, it's, it's great. Every time I get a chance to compete and I'm allowed to, I have the time available, like I'm all in. Um, but I'd, I'd gladly offer that spot up to anybody else looking to compete instead. So for that HCS Grassroots Cup, um, so I am aware of, of this one, Australia had a team as well, or sort of ANZ, Australia, New Zealand. What was the ping like? Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't think I was on a team with anybody from the, from that region, and so if there was any noise coming uh, about the ping, I, I didn't hear it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but I, you know, what can you do, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we can't exactly all fly over and compete at the same place at the moment, unfortunately. I wish. <laughs> that would be so awesome, but nah. So um, do you prefer... Obviously, grassroots is part of HCS, but do you prefer the proper pro level HCS or just the grassroots level? Which one, and what kind of differences are there? Yeah, um, yeah, they're definitely distinct, but there's a lot of overlap. I think they're both healthy for, sorry, they're both important for a healthy ecosystem for sure. You can't have one without the other, and having a strong foundational grassroots program where community members feel empowered to kind of you know, build out something that makes sense for their their fans is, is great and then having that be a path to pro and that leads into higher level competition like that's that's kind of how we kind of see things operate and that's kind of like my own personal vision of um the connection between amateur and professional um and but yeah like if you ever get a chance to to be at a high level halo tournament and it's a world championship like the energy inside that room is just electrifying like it's it's just I can't even describe it. It's just the most amazing feeling to 
see a match go to, to five or seven games and uh, have it mean so much to so many people. Uh, yeah, I haven't actually been to, uh, we haven't had any Halo tournaments over in New Zealand that have been at the the pro level, mm-hmm. really. I mean, we've had um, little sort of uh, tournaments inside of stores, so EB Games did some for Halo 5, uh, the Master Chief Collection as well, when that came out, they did some competitions, I'm pretty sure. But yeah. nothing at the pro level, which is really unfortunate. And I know the esports scene is building up over here, which right. is exciting to see. So hopefully we do have some more Halo stuff in New Zealand specifically. But um, yeah, we've, we've got to get there first, unfortunately. Speaking on the crowd of like the pro league, it's I've always wanted to be at a competition and, like with that big because you know the whole crowd is, is passionate about the game as yourself. So you know everyone is like really intense in it. Like how you're saying everyone's just electrifying in there like that's the type of crowd that just makes it even more hype and makes the game even more tense i've always just wanted to go over to america for those pro league tournaments please please do (laughs) that happens soon it's just the feeling is like no other like i love online competition i think it's fantastic and you know you got to do what we got to do during these times but once we're allowed to do online events or offline events again like it's oh the anticipation for that first event or that first match it's just going to be amazing. So, keeping in the theme of of Halo, just for now, what's do you prefer multiplayer over campaign, or like the story? Yeah, I damn. If I, if I'm hanging out with my buddies and just uh, want to mess around, the campaign is great. Um, but I do love the multiplayer. Like it's just so much fun. Like and there's so much to it. Like Halo is such a great game where you can jump into any type of mode and you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I do love being multiplayer. It's just so much fun. Like, you know, in 10 minute bites, like, you have an opportunity to compete and play and just have fun. And um, yeah, it's, it's a great it's a great opportunity for myself to just escape even for a little bit. What's your favorite Halo for multiplayer? Oh, geez. Um, if I say Halo 5, am I going to be authorized? Like, <laughs> I, I, I might. <laughs> I'm listening to you on this one. But there's only one answer for me personally for the nostalgia. Oh, here we go. Halo Three. Halo Three. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think. I think Halo Five is the more competitive Halo in terms of uh, how much I've played the multiplayer. It's de- yeah, definitely Three or Reach actually. Swats on five. Reach. That was my life. Headshot only. Uh, I miss Invasion, man. Oh my god. I've dumped so many hours into that when I should have been at university. I, <laughs> damn, I was in so much trouble with my parents because I was sitting at home playing Halo and I was meant to be in a lecture or a, um, what are those readings? Uh, lab. Yeah, um, no, totally. I've, I've, there's so many times where I'm like, should I play another map or <laughs> read something? And probably don't even finish my thought before the game starts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's too late now. I've got to play another game. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> totally and uh, talking a little bit more about the the growth of Halo Esports, what mm-hmm. do you see as the main barrier to this? And what is something that a, a com- the community can do to help with this? Yeah, for sure. It's uh, at the end of the day, no matter what, like, it all depends on the game itself. Like, if it's not a good game to play, then like, there's there's no hope for like, your community or anything else. And sure, you can patch it up later on, but at the you need know, a great foundation to really build off of. So, in terms of an actual main barrier, like I just want to make sure that our community feels great 
um, and feels good about you know hosting their own tournaments. Like if there, if I see, like I said earlier, uh, that there's like a tournament happening every day, then I, I feel good. Like there's there's an appetite for it. I see that registration caps are being met or exceeded. There's an appetite to continue to compete from not only the amateur and the, the professional community, then. Um, that's awesome. So if, uh, if there's anything that I hope the community members can continue to do is just like just be champions and and host those tournaments. It's a lot of work. I totally understand it, and there's a lot that goes into it. But I hope you feel um, equipped to do what you need to do, and then definitely reach out to other prominent members in the community to to ask for best practices. Just keep growing, build your own brand and just uh, make it yourselves a home for the players looking for a place to compete. And now's such a good time to be doing that because we do have a new game on the horizon. We've got, you know, a, a whole bunch of older games that people still do play and that ha- are being brought to a whole bunch of new platforms with the MCC being on Xbox and um, PC. So i uh, I see this as a perfect opportunity for people to be actually getting back into Halo <laughs> to either enjoy the old games or to, if you're more competitive, to get ready for the new game. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. I think uh, bringing MCC to PC has opened up Halo to a whole new audience that's never got to maybe experience Halo on console when it was first released. So that's, uh, that's an awesome thing that has happened recently. Apart from Halo, what is your next favorite game or game series? Oh my god, I love Battlefront. Star Wars Battlefront too. Oh, yes, there's it? someone else that oh enjoys god. it as much as me. Oh. <laughs> I've been playing that heaps recently, and yeah. I I did stop when they said that there wasn't going to be any more support for it. But like, it was so much fun, and I know that it got a huge amount of backlash as well. Yes. But yeah. like, ah. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. so glad to finally find someone that enjoyed it as much as I did. <laughs> I love it. I love that game. And just like being like a, an anonymous grunt, just, you know, found themselves in a war that they don't believe in. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I don't want any special powers. I just want to be a regular guy. <laughs> I really want to know when they're going to be bringing out the next uh, Battlefront. Like... I reckon from the leaks of the old one, the old Battlefront yeah. 3, how it was just like a massive battle. Like, I just, I, I really want that. But with the Battlefront 2 from EA's graphics. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think we're all waiting for it. It's like, give me the original Battlefront 2 with the current Battlefront 2 and call that a game. So are you playing Star Wars Squadrons? Uh, yeah, I've played it as much as I can. Um, <laughs> it's... It's great. Uh, it's, it's an awesome game. I wish it could be in third person. I am yes. not a purist. <laughs> I, yeah. I find uh, looking first person in the cockpits of some of these different fighters and just how much screen real estate it takes up. And just it, like, it's one that you can do <laughs> VR in, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It would be amazing in VR, but you're right. Third person for being able to fly around is just. You may uh, hate me for saying this, Ranger, but yeah. Peppy Shroud. Um, he was setting up the joysticks and the VR uh, just the other day. Uh, it was actually fun to watch. Actually, people actually try and figure, like, help him figure out all the buttons and shortcut them, and then just actually watching like the simulation of just 
flying around because Iceman that used to be on the podcast, he does uh, simulation driving on PC uh, for racing. And so it was, it was nice to see different aspects of like simulation uh, runs from different types, like from flying in midair with Star Wars to driving as well. Yeah, I'd love to be able to get into VR. Unfortunately, they're all so expensive. Yeah, I had to get one. I saw the Oculus Quest too. I'm like, yeah, oh, they need a Facebook logon now. That's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only reason why I wouldn't want one, but it's not a great reason. But it's still something that I'm like, Ugh, really, do I have to? Yeah. <laughs> All right, quick fire questions for you. Okay, yeah, go for it. What's your favorite food? Ooh, uh, fries or fries? <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite holiday destination darn uh, um can't say canada oh i'd love to go to hawaii if i could, if ever get a oh, to go. okay hawaii what's the color of your toothbrush it's uh it's white it's one of the electric toothbrushes it's great oh classic who's your favorite superhero and why uh i freaking love spider-man he's just so flexible and just there's really good one-liners. It's great. Are you going to be playing uh, Miles Morales when it comes out? Oh, uh, man. I mean, how much money is like for all these consoles? Am I right? Like, you know, he's <laughs> Xbox, Xbox, PlayStation, and like out like $2,000. Like, oh, I wish Spider-Man came to Xbox. Make it happen someday. That would be so good, right? Uh, if you could be any animal, what would it be and why? Oh, is it a, a capybara? Like, I feel like those animals are so chill. Like, oh, yeah, about? yeah. What? Yep, yep, yeah. I know the ones that you mean. Um, I had a friend that worked at the zoo, and she used to look after them, and it was awesome because I got to meet them. But capybaras, <laughs> yeah, like they're just like, like they chill with everyone. Have you seen that photo of them with alligators and like lions yeah. and stuff? Just, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. Like all these, they're just they fit in everywhere, and they they have a very great temperament. And yeah, I feel like that's me. Just great chat. <laughs> What games did you play when you were growing up? Oh man, uh, the classics, man, like Super Mario 3, uh, Ninja Turtles, Lost Metroid, oh, a lot of Star Fox. Oh, nice. Yeah. Star Fox 64. Oh my god, I love that game. Smash Brothers, original, Power Stone, nice. and Dreamcast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All these old game platforms that I never was able to use. <laughs> yeah, it was just such a great time for that. Sonic Adventure 2, when it came out on Dreamcast, I was. My life. Uh, do you prefer to play on console or PC? Console. I love console. I, I cannot use a mouse and keyboard. I don't understand how you can use the same device for my PowerPoint presentations to play a first-person shooter. You need to have that division, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> <Pretty> different. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. <laughs> and finally, what's your favorite podcast? Oh, it has got to be Gamers... <laughs> He's looking Niche. at the run sheet. <laughs> Top left of the run sheet. Uh, can't cheat. <laughs> no. All right. <laughs> yeah. And on that, we'll be moving on to news. So, so you see, you out of me. Yeah, out of me. Uh, <laughs> on to news and esports. This is uh, different for me for introducing this, but uh, Valve's latest Steam Festival. They should try hundreds of PC games for free. So definitely get involved in that. Get to support the devs involved in all that. Give reviews as well on Steam. Um, I've I've actually chatted to a few uh, devs before and they love the reviews and it helps them progress their next game. So definitely uh, have a look at that. It's free to play. GameStop partners with uh, Microsoft. That's going to be huge. 
uh, AMD CPU flagship uh, 5000 series is released. So if you've got the RTX uh, 3000 series, it's uh, good to upgrade your CPU as well. So definitely get a look at that. Um, don't forget uh, your power supply also has to be enough to sufficient to run them run it so 750 what is recommended for the rtx 3000 series so you want a bit extra if you're going to get a hungry cpu shortage of xbox and ps5 consoles on release so if you're looking to get uh, for christmas uh, gifts uh, a console for the next generation make sure you get in on the pre-release orders else you may miss out so get in oh, early it that's not surely they'll have enough for bloody christmas i, I wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> i'm just saying that because i'm a bit uh hurt over the 3000 series i went to buy a 3080 and i have to wait till december first world problems 3080 yeah 3080 3, <laughs> uh. what else we got uh, Rockstar to expand on GTA 5 before the end of the year. I found a lot of um, my mates and people in the community have started to re-download GTA and playing it out to, to build up the momentum for the end of year release. Not much has been said about what they're actually releasing, but it's a bit of a mystery what I've been told so far. What, it's, GTA? Do you reckon they're yeah. going to do that alien storyline? Honestly, that alien storyline made me so mad because I couldn't figure it out. I, I didn't like trying to use um, guides or anything to try and find it when the game first came out. I ended up giving up because I was raging looking for like 20 hours and yeah. But also on GTA 5 that most people don't uh, know, there is a lot of uh, role playing, uh, which is actually interesting to watch. There's quite a lot of streamers out there that do um, role playing, which is really intriguing to watch. Some real hardcore people out there, so... Yeah, definitely have a look at that on Twitch or on YouTube. Yeah, no, I've been seeing the GTA RP stuff. Uh, Debbie, do you watch any of that? Uh, not as much as I wanted to. <laughs> oh, you want to watch more? Yeah. So what else have we got? The PlayStation user interface has finally been revealed uh, a couple of days ago now. And to everyone's surprise, it looks very similar to the PlayStation 4. But... <laughs> It does look clean though. Uh, I will give it that. I found like the PlayStation 4 is a bit funky and in your face. So it kind of brings it back a little bit and makes it a little bit. The graphics are quite crispy. So it does look a lot more appealing, in my opinion. After having a quick uh, look at it, uh, you can get the link in the description down there. Uh, we can have a look to YouTube. <laughs> uh, Check out yeah. the link in the description, bruh. But yeah, I, I honestly, cause for me, I've moved from console to PC now, so I haven't looked back to console, but console is where I started, and like I, I still love seeing console progress, and seeing the interface on console does make me happy because it's so much more appealing to the eyes. Yeah, and I think this is one big difference between PC and the consoles, is that if you want a good user experience, then consoles are generally the way that I would point someone but mm -hmm. if you want to be able to customize your experience then pc is just so much better in regards to that and i mean i've got both but i still love the having my xbox and the, the user interface on that even though they're both by, made by microsoft cool microsoft yeah hey that's cheating <laughs> <laughs> so um... the xbox series x temperature test has also happened and i don't know if you've heard about these complaints um Vivian, is that yeah. people were saying that the xbox series x was like getting really hot but then it's turned out to be nothing 
essentially. And it's actually about the same temperature or less than the Xbox One X. Yeah, I've heard it and I've heard the, the same outcomes. Nothing really too much to say. I wish I had one in front of me where I can do my own tests, but... Uh, <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know the, the engineers yeah. on the team have done a lot of great work to, to kind of keep everything in check. And it's just a phenomenal piece of technology. And I'm sure they have some really great ways to, to control um, spikes like that with heat and whatnot. Yeah, and then uh, we'll also be having Assassin's Creed Valhalla on the Series X. You see, you're not a big action, is it 3D action? So, for Assassin's Creed, I really enjoyed watching all the way up to Black Flag. I watched my friend play it uh, next to me, and I enjoyed watching it. Playing it, I wasn't a huge fan, but once Black Flag came out, I was <laughs> I was in there. I, I spent many hours, like, the ship battles got me just so much you could do in it i really enjoyed it so i played assassin's creed and i ended up going back uh, from number one and playing it through myself it actually looks pretty good uh looking at the trailer for valhalla especially because i like viking stuff so like for honor uh was one thing that i enjoyed playing when it first came out and that's the type of vibe it kind of gives me assassin's creed so like a bit of an in-between where i can assassinate people yeah uh, do the fun stuff right yeah people uh so i kind of ignored the missions and i just went around trying to be an, assassinate the whole like continent of people in the game i thought it was just seeing if i could like get my skill up to try and pvp what? oh because the pv murdered the P everyone in the game well because <laughs> have you actually played pvp in assassin's creed yeah yeah i've played it in uh unity i've uh, i think it was number three i think it was and it was actually so much fun the, the skills and like the tricks that you got to do and actually running away from people that can do the same things that you can it was actually really complex to start off with but once you get it down it was actually something really fun to do have you played much assassin's creed vivian yeah i've uh i've played like the first four i think i think i have to put my favorite assassin's creed is uh assassin's creed 2 brotherhood i, I just love that game that um, is a classic person. yeah yeah so and then i don't know how many there are now but i haven't got a chance to, to put in time into the to the newer releases but i have fond memories of that game for sure Assassin's Creed 2 and uh revelations i believe i think that was a good one. Oh yeah i like that one as well that was actually one of my first ones that i got a collector's edition for oh wow i was really <laughs> and it came with like a massive encyclopedia here in new zealand and i'm just a sucker for those but for certain game series like for cyberpunk 2077 i want the the encyclopedia and like the art book so i can read <laughs> them and it sounds so nerdy right now i'm gonna shut up <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> you're like oh my god this guy's such a nerd <laughs> <laughs> anyway so we've also got age of empires 3 definitive definitive edition out now a whole bunch of reviews for this as well it's actually looking really good the saying it's pretty much exactly the same they haven't changed too much which is good but you know I'm, I'm seeing some good ratings here and age of empires is probably one of my uh sort of up there in terms of game series so it's really cool to see that they're remastering all these and then they're doing age of mythology next oh so excited i'm not too sure about you guys but uh, age of mythology is amazing that's one thing that i like about the game pass for microsoft is playing age of empires they have the whole like series there for me to download and play oh yeah i forgot to download that actually i'm about to do that right now <laughs> and yeah honestly get the pass it's so good 
even because uh, you also got the collector's edition for halo uh which i've just started doing the legendary uh campaign again and then also ranger we need to do our 1v1 in age of empires 2 oh uh, yeah that's right we need to do that don't we yeah i keep forgetting that i'm gonna write a reminder on my calendar so we remember that we need to set that set that down for your time to lose i've never lost in my life well <laughs> i've never accepted that i've lost but yeah <laughs> how old are you you're 20 20 something eh? sweet i've got more experience at losing? Uh, no. Amazing. <laughs> no. Hey, I was the ranked, like, 3,415th player in New Zealand. So I was, I did good things. I was ranked number one in my household at the LAN party of the flats. <laughs> Ooh, did you do LAN parties for Age of Empires? Yeah, we actually, we actually did LAN parties oh. for Age of Empires. Uh, we, we would have, like, six people in the lounge all set up, ready to go for lands. It was actually really fun. See, I did that with Halo. We did it with Halo as well. That's the whole nostalgia of it. Like the land parties. That's ah. the one thing I miss um, about moving to PC is consoles. You can just take your console anywhere, put your game in, and you can play. As for PCs, it's hard to break your PC down and take it somewhere and play, like set up and play. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, PC Master Race. I can't even take my computer anywhere <laughs> with me. Uh. <laughs> Get over does it. He even lived? Yeah. <laughs> he does not. He does not, does he? <laughs> I can prove you wrong on that. Oh, big cool. Big cool. All right, moving on to esports. We've got a update from for StarCraft 2. So Blizzard have officially ended support for this and also the esports scene, which is actually a little bit of sad news because StarCraft 2 has been around for such a long time now and is kind of like one of the, the OG esports back, uh, from back in the day. So it's really sad to see this. And uh, we wish all the players the best um, for moving on to League of Legends. <laughs> David Beckham has been given $20 million US to become the face of Guild Esports. So, th I mean, for him, that's probably not a lot of money, but... <laughs> For esports, that is a lot of money. To have someone like him be the face of an esports organization is pretty, uh, pretty big news. Um, I can think of Steve Aoki, who is also an investor for, uh, I forget the organization, but he's an investor. It might be Envy. No, it's not. Oh my God, I've forgotten. That's okay. I'll get back to you on that. But having all these mainstream famous people is really good for esports because they obviously see the potential for growth of esports in the world and they're keen to get involved so i think this is fantastic what do you guys reckon i'm always happy for right. pe more people get involved yeah more than earlier bring them all in pay me <laughs> to be the face <laughs> of it all yeah. yeah whatever you want <laughs> it'll be the face the legs whatever you got i, I got it <laughs> hands feet yeah. <laughs> so moving on to league of legends esports we are in the midst of the worlds at the moment and divi i don't know if you're a big league watcher you did mention it before are you yeah, keeping up with very the casual world? very very casual but yeah obviously they do a lot of great stuff but yeah continue oh so i was just going to say that uh Sunin from china and damwon gaming from korea are both through to the semi-finals now so that's going to be exciting i'm probably going to not watch those ones i'm going to watch the Fnatic game and g2 game to see if our friends from over in europe can get into either the semi-finals or the finals 
but I think the finals is actually going to be a pretty cool event to be watching, even though it doesn't have the massive broadcast and live event that they have had in previous years, which is super disappointing. But, I mean, given the current scenario, uh, they're doing the best that they can with this. I'm really happy Fnatic's still in there. I'm a huge Fnatic fan. Well, I'm a Siege Fnatic fan, but with Fnatic brand, I still put all, all their other esports that they have. And my flat, they've been going for Genji. And I'm, I don't know much about LoL, but I've this is the most LoL I've watched and played. And yeah. go Fnatic. Definitely Fnatic fans over here. Um, Amazing. I think there's a real opportunity that they do well or we at least get a European team getting close to winning. So it'll be interesting to see. But also there's a little bit of bad news with League of Legends uh, Pro Leagues. But, um, and this is our final. We're going to end on some bad news. The OPL is gone skis. So there is no more Pro League in Oceania for League of Legends. This is disappointing because there are no pathways. And you talked about this before, um, Divian, is that... Halo has pathways, so through grassroots into um, the Pro League. And we used to have that with the OPL for League of Legends, which is you know one of the most popular games in the world, but now they do not have that. And there are no proper pathways for players in Oceana to be able to get up to the world stage. So it's just removed this whole area of League Pro gaming. Yeah, it's, uh, that's a tough one. The, the game itself has such a rich structure in terms of different levels of competition and different ways to, to go from path from like you know amateur level to professional. But um, I guess it's still too early to say what the impact of this would be. I'm hoping that there's a, a solution quickly for these players to, to get to where they want to be. Yeah, and it sounds like uh, one idea is to actually have all of these play, uh, players from Oceana go over to the american league and play there so i mean i don't know if that's quite the right way to do it because it's still quite expensive to be able to get all these players over to america right without giving them opportunities in their home regions so i'm not too sure how they're going to be doing that but it's going to be interesting to see what you know what happens all right that's everything from us at gamers uncensored this week thank you for joining us and thank you to divian for coming on the podcast that he knew nothing about <laughs> and basically came in blind. Um, but Divian, where can we find you on on socials? Yeah, yeah. If uh, my DMs are open, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at, at Div360. And if you find me on anything else, I'm usually Div360, unless there's an imposter somewhere. Awesome. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you again. Much appreciated, my brother. Yeah. No, this is great. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. Awesome. Thank you once again, and thank you to you, the listener, for joining us for another episode. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place.